Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Meghan Markle to spend Coronation Weekend, uh, May 6th, for those who don't know, celebrating Prince Archie's birthday in California. Go, Meghan. You don't have to be there to Netflix submitting the dark comedy Beef as a limited or anthology series for Emmys. Beef is so good. Have you seen it? We binged it in like a day and a half. I could not stop watching. Each episode is about 30 minutes. Just check it out. It's so good. It's like um, really twisted. There's a sort of Steven Soderbergh uh, feel to it. Um, it's, it's such a great, it's so good. Oh my goodness. You have to see it and then we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, this week, Timothy, Michael, Cooper chats with me about writing for an award ceremony and more. But first up, some housekeeping. Uh, yeah, I've, I haven't been here for weeks and thank you so much for tuning in. It's spring break for the family. So, that means I am the, you know, the cook, the entertainment, the uh, counselor, the everything, 24 hours. So, and then also I have my dreams of, you know, comedy writing and filmmaking that I, and I have projects coming up. So just been busy, 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 but I'm here. So if you like this show, Give it a rate or review. It's how you can help people to find the show. Also, I will be rolling out more recommendations. So if you have a recommendation for me, email me a voice memo to yummycoco at gmail.com. That's Y-U-M-M-I-C-O-C-O. And you will hear your voice on the show. Sounds good? So let's kick it off with my chat with Timothy Michael Cooper. And we're back. Awesome. So let's get into my talk with filmmaker and writer Timothy Michael Cooper. Hey, Timothy. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to see you. It's been, it's a long been time. so long. I've known you for a very long time. We never talk about screenwriting. So now we're just going to talk about screenwriting. In all the years that I've known you, we talk about like what what drinks they're serving, what, you know, who's there, have you seen this person? And so this is the first time, this is, this, this is history in the making. This is history in the making, and I can't believe it because screenwriting is absolutely one of my absolute favorites yes. to, 
topics to talk about period that and food it's screenwriting and food are my number one topic yeah in the world. i think we've talked about food so at least we've covered that i, I yeah, imagine definitely yeah. okay so this is great timothy michael cooper is an award-winning writer director based in brooklyn he has worked with comedians like michelle buteau and kate mckinnon from snl fame uh, he has also taught hundreds of writers around the world about screenwriting storytelling improv comedy and writing and he is the founder of blueprint screenwriting group thank you so much for joining me today i want to talk to you about oh my god thank you yeah, for having of course. me yeah my yeah pleasure. i want to talk to you about being a new york writer versus an la writer i am an la writer you're a new york writer let's talk about it but first can i ask you a very random icebreaker Let's do it. If you were a potato, what way would you like to mm. be cooked? Am I allowed to say spiral fries? Nice, of course, because it's. it's I love spiral cut. Spiral yeah. cut is awesome, like Orida, like those, like frozen, uh, like the supermarket, like mm -hmm, that kind of spiral, mm -hmm. like with the like a, maybe a cage, a Cajun flavor or just salt and pepper. Oh man, I grew up on those. Those were huge. Yeah. Treat to those yeah those orida mike you, know, you put pop in the oven or the microwave if you want them mushy yeah <laughs> they were to to a little kid and probably to me now they were heavy. ketchup or mustard oh ketchup yeah all the way. i'm ketchup. a mustard person i'm a mustard and mayonnaise person now i i don't really like ketchup as much oh no well, on my french fries now i go for mayonnaise yeah. but i'm still i'm still like not anti-mustard i would just go for ketchup 95 yeah. percent of the yeah. time especially um you know just uh you know those those flavors from when you were a kid so i imagine yeah yeah definitely i i was a, a ketchup kid too um i i mean i'm really into roasting sweet potatoes right now i cut them thin like fries but i do love potatoes too we had um like saint patrick's meal with um with like mm -hmm. we had wangus i don't know if you've ever had wangus it's um angus I it's a not. it's like it's american wagyu but they can't call it wagyu because they're not allowed to call it wagyu so they call it wangus oh, so they decided on wangus i don't know if that's the number kind of, one name i would have yeah. picked it sounds like a number of other things yeah. that, that you know sounds don't icky. sound particularly yeah. delicious but i ate it and wangus. it was tasty I, from costco it was, how was it, was it? Very how good. was your how was the how was how, how putting was that wangus I, putting the wangus in my mouth was was worth it I'm I'm not ashamed. Okay, good. I like Wangus. I got to try putting it in my mouth. Yeah. Um. So we had it with potatoes, and and I I thought it was pretty good. With sweet potatoes. I'm a sweet potato person by potatoes. by nature, but my mother-in-law put like actual like fingerling potatoes from like uh, okay. Trader Joe's or okay. whatever. She threw it in, a, in the pot that she where she was boiling the Wangus, the corned beef Wangus. And it was all very tasty. Oh, I didn't realize it was corned beef yeah. wangus. I think we should also aim for saying wangus as many wangus. times as possible during yes. this record. Okay. Instead of screenwriting, we'll just refer to it as wangus. 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 I think I think we wangus. Yeah. Wangusing. Yes. So yeah. so when did you start wangusing? When did you know that you were a wangus? <laughs> When, when I, right, fully was felt, you know, competent yeah. and proud enough to call myself uh -huh. a Wangus. 
That's a great question. Um, I think it took me a really, a really long time because I was kind of dabbling with it. I thought I would be a play. I moved to New York um, after college because I thought I would write plays and I did mm. write some plays and I got some of them staged mm. a, here and there or a reading. I had a, I wrote a musical wow. that actually did get, that actually did get made. Um, and it was to say off, off Broadway is kind it was, of it was overstating like it off, 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 off. It, it was far away. It was far away. Um, it was actually on a boat in Chelsea Piers. Oh, um, and which was kind of cool. Don't the get me frying wrong. pan. Um, but the frying oh, pan. Okay. That's correct. It was set on the okay. frying pan. I think yeah, that's pretty you, cool. You, you nailed it. And uh, it was it was really cool. And I was like, well, I definitely have a future. Like next stop Broadway. Yeah. But you know, then pretty soon. You know that that was actually a positive experience and a lot of people saw it but i was like mm -hmm. this this would be you know if you if you actually go for writing for bigger audiences like tv or tv or film you can just reach millions of times more people than even like a very successful play unless you wrote cats or something like that yeah. you know what i mean um and i really respect playwrights and i and theater is still my of first course. love but i was just like i think i want to reach more I people. want a bigger Wangus. And so I was like, what if I tried, you know, putting something on yeah. film? I, I, you know, I mean, we're all, we, don't we all yes. want a bigger Wangus? Everyone yeah. here. And so um, I started, tr I, I took, I started taking classes at Upright Citizens mm -hmm. Brigade. And from there, uh, you know, some friends were making web series. And I was like, oh, this seems like an accessible way to uh, actually get some work mm -hmm. out there and just using my friends. And I had been directing a show um, called Sunny Side mm -hmm. Up. That was an improv show. It was, it was um, super mm -hmm. fun with a lot of amazing uh, improv actors and comedians at UCB. And the show that was paired with ours was Kate McKinnon's one woman show. Oh, wow. And she was just incredible. And we became friends. And eventually I was like, do you, Hey, do you want to be in this web mm -hmm. series that I'm putting together and that I wrote? And, and so that was she, the concierge. And, and so that really, that was the concierge, yeah. right. Which now that flash, um, doesn't exist um is no longer available i mean i have a, I have, I have youtube copies mm -hmm. but it's it was on a i built a flash site and i thought that was like pretty amazing yeah. and then of course flash you know, <laughs> stopped, stopped technology was like whatever yeah and ironically there is a whole there was a scene where they talk about flash mm -hmm. like making because it was about a fake a fake hotel mm -hmm. um and the behind the scenes at a fake hotel and it was a super fun web series and they talked about making the hotel's website in flash which we actually did which actually was obsolete <laughs> shortly thereafter so i don't know it was very meta yeah it was like um but it did reach a lot of yeah. people uh yeah on, no, it was, it's on. funny I, yeah. i'm 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 thinking of a few things. One, The Simpsons, how The Simpsons always like predicts things. And two, uh, recently, um, off topic, but real quick, um, John Oliver was talking about all of the banks closing. So Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank. Signature Bank, um, I think leading up to their closure recently or 
if you call it closer or closing, whatever the expression is, but like, anyway, they posted some like really cringy video. It was kind of almost like a, like a musical where they are singing about um, basically what shut them down. Um, it, they, it, it, it's like in the lyrics, it was something of like, it was just prophetic, like just something the, the, someone sang something and that would shut us down and then it and then it got shut down so it's like they predicted their demise so a anyway i was just thinking about that with the flash i don't mm. know why that came up right <laughs> i don't you don't have to say anything about that yeah yeah so so like yeah just in the general theme of getting cocky yeah yeah they got cocky wangus they got wangus and they got and they Wangus. Got, and they Wangus, they Wangus themselves, themselves. It sounds like, honestly. So yeah. moving on. I, I Yeah, Concierge, that was awesome. Uh, Kate McKinnon, awesome. Can't wait to see what she's going to be doing next. I'm sure she's working on a zillion projects since SNL. She's been kind of quiet like the past few months. I haven't heard from her since she left the show. But Right, but I feel like it's going to... You, you know how yeah. it happens where someone then three of their films come out in like right. one month or something right. like and it's that. It's just like, oh, my God, she's situations. everywhere. Uh, okay. So for you, but you've been everywhere. You've exactly. been doing a but lot. But she's just such an incredible yeah. talent. Yeah, for sure. You know, whatever she does, I will I watch. can't wait. I, I loved her mm -hmm. as uh, Carol Baskin. in a, she was, It was like a Peacock um, uh, limited series about uh, Tiger King. Anyway. Yeah recently was the awards season and it's because it, it goes in this cycle where it's just like mm -hmm. the now it's festival season then becomes award season now we're back in sort of like festival season and then we'll then eventually go into award season it's it's this cycle but you were part of that cycle you worked on the wga east awards and so i wanted to talk to you you're the first person so in our relationship we never talked about screenwriting and we've also never talked about wangus we've never talked about wangus so like we're really covering a lot of ground here in this in this talk you we've also never talked about what it's like to like write for an award show so can you talk about that like what's it like we're writing for an award ceremony Well, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of work. And so, yeah, the most recent one I wrote for was the Writers Guild mm -hmm. Awards for the Writers Guild of America East, um, which just happened two yeah. weeks ago. There's a, there's a writers, and, uh, just to let you know that there's, um, it, it is all one uh, thing, but under the umbrella, there's, uh, because it's divided by the Mississippi River, there's the WGA, yep. mm -hmm. WGA, east and then there's the wga west i've been to the west one on fairfax and third i've never been to the east one but anyway you're part of wga east because you're a new york writer okay go yeah but um yeah and it's it's i don't i still don't quite get and i'm not sure anyone quite gets why they have different ceremonies but they're awarding they're awarding one set of mm -hmm. awards so you can you know you can receive your award or your you know attend the ceremony as far as i know in either on either wow. side and the award shows both shows happen simultaneously so you're not supposed to tweet or say anything until the show oh. is over 
lest you spoil it for for the other side for the other coast that someone either won or lost because i think they had an issue because um yeah i think people were tweeting and then other people would find out that they won or lost and then they, they would like you know you know they they would they would get spoilers on their own awards so I think, but I think people have stopped doing that. I think that maybe that was just the first year. So I'm writing for the yeah. East, although for the past two years prior to this year, um, we had a joint ceremony because it was on online mm-hmm. only. So you got a private link. And so I was in those rooms, which were joint rooms. Oh, wow. And that was a lot of fun just to write with the, just to have both sides collaborate yeah. was, um, I don't see why they. It's like again, the Bloods and the Crips like getting together. For every other awards. Yes. For one night only. Yes, except if the Bloods and the Crips were on the same yeah. side <laughs> and worked under the same like laws. So I don't quite understand it. Um, but anyway, it was it was it's it was a lot of fun in together in tandem. And then this year we went back to a live mm-hmm. ceremony, and Michelle Buteau was the host, and she was absolutely amazing. Um, just getting to write for all these different, so I could go on and on about this process, but it's a real privilege and I feel really lucky to have been a part of it for, uh, for multiple years now. Um, and and you end up basically what happens is our, 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 well, we have, we have several, uh, fearless Mm -hmm. leaders. Um, but Ann Cohen is the showrunner and basically the, you know, you will write, she will assign different different presenters mm-hmm. or hosts or situations, uh-huh. and you will write for them. And you have almost no idea. And sometimes I don't think anyone knows what the presenter is actually going to use until they actually are up there at the podium presenting an yeah. award and doing their bit. Um, and same with, same with Michelle, like, you know, we weren't, or I certainly wasn't privy to what she was going to use or not use or how she was going to spin it. And I think she was also improvising some of it because she's just an right. improv genius um, or it seemed very off the cuff and she's just, she was just fantastic. And even after the whole ceremony, it would be really hard to say, yeah, that was my joke or like, I definitely wrote that because so many people are a part of it um, and they're all, you know, comedic right. geniuses. And so it's really hard to say like, maybe I wrote, three words of that joke, or maybe I wrote the setup for that joke, but they used a different punchline, or maybe they improvised the punchline. Um, So you're just basically writing, your job is to write hundreds of jokes, depending on, okay, we have to write jokes for this particular award. So this is going to be the documentary award. This is going to be the breaking news award. This is going to be best adapted screenplay award. And depending on the host, or depending on the host, depending on the presenters, you know, you might write, you know, six or 10 or a dozen jokes for that. And then that presenter might change. That might, that presenter might be like, I actually want to present this category or I had to drop out because I'm filming, I had to fly somewhere. And so then you're like, okay, I guess we are starting from scratch. So we're you're oh. writing 20 more new jokes for that and person. And it's like and leading it's up. Just it's just really just like you're always and running. It's leading- you're, you're always moving and you're always just trying to adapt mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. And so it's it's leading up to the ceremony that you're rewriting maybe jokes or is it the day of? This is all in the months leading up, the weeks and months leading up to the mm-hmm. show. Generally, the job um, 
will by by one or two days out you're done mm -hmm. with the job because they everyone has everything the presenters have their material they've chosen their material the host has her material she's she's ready to mm -hmm. go um and it's not and sometimes that you know there will be some breaking news or something some something happened in some election situation or some breaking news but generally speaking your job is done several days out and there the, i think there are other people who are sometimes adapting mm -hmm. it like the, the the showrunner or the executive producer might be adapting stuff at the mm -hmm. last minute behind the mm -hmm. scenes but we the writers are we're attending the ceremony so we're just we're hanging we're we're eating we're eating our dinner and we're wondering what jokes are going to be used and then afterwards you're like did they use my joke maybe i think i kind of remember that but you wrote so many yeah. hundreds of jokes that there's no for so many people and then the people have changed over time you know sometimes last minute and you just uh, it's just you just kind of have to go right with the flow. so joke writing preparation you've brought up a lot of things so i'm, I'm curious about that um What's it like uh, preparing for a show like the Writers Guild Awards? You worked with comedians like Carrie Cottett from Flatbush Misdemeanors, um, among many others. I imagine um, she was still in L.A. at the time when you were writing jokes. Awesome. Yeah, we were sitting at the same table. Yeah, yeah, she's cool. I saw her. I, I'm yeah, not, we're not friends, yeah. but like um, I know her from social media and I saw her do stand up and, and thought she was amazing. So. I imagine at the time, though, she was in L.A., I she think, is. because she was yeah. doing the um, showrunners uh, program um, mm -hmm. when you were all writing jokes. So how did you work together as a team? Was it right. together mm -hmm. separately? Were you on Zoom? You're writing jokes down. You're pitching them out loud. Like, how what was that process like in the hundreds of jokes that you all wrote? Yeah. <laughs> great, great question. So. The way it typically works, it varies. It's it's a lot of it's dependent on the host mm -hmm. as well. But the way it typically works is you would have just one or two meetings that are either in person or nowadays, you know, during and post COVID, it's just on Zoom and you'll meet with the showrunner, you'll meet with the EP, you'll meet with the host, and you'll just have one or two meetings mm -hmm. total that are all mm -hmm. together where you're all in the same room or same Zoom room. And then after that, you are pretty much only communicating by email. And so you'll be like, okay, you here, you're, okay, you're writing, you, you two, you're writing jokes for Amy Schumer. Okay, you two, you're writing jokes for, yeah. you know, the, the next presenter. And so you'll, you'll just get, um, so you'll get assignments. Mm -hmm in terms of or you and and there you have some say in it too there's some flexibility you could be like i i think i really want to work on monologue jokes or they'll be like we need some sketch ideas um so you just have to be and and that could come in the middle of the night wow. that could come during the day but generally you are after those meetings you are just communicating mostly with the showrunner on your on your own individually so you're just giving them option after option after option and sometimes then the presenter will look at the look at what they got and they're like nah i don't i don't like this i'm gonna i want more options wow. or sometimes they'll they'll say i love it and then they'll get up there um they'll get up there on the podium and they wrote their own mm -hmm. stuff and other times they'll um 
they'll use your stuff word for word. There's just no, there's absolutely no predicting and there's no real way to prepare what you have to, what I've found works for me is being really, is going with the flow. You have to go with the flow and not be precious about anything because you might've written your best mm -hmm. joke and then you know, an hour later, you'll get an email. Oh, that person had to drop out. Now you're writing for this person. And you're like, okay, so I can't use any of those, oh, any of God. that material because it doesn't really apply or it's not in their yeah. style or they're more, they go more blue or they're more, they're newscasters. So that doesn't make sense right. for them or they might want more serious or this person might, might want more funny. And so you just really have to, yeah, go with the flow and just churn out material and then you're done with it and then you move on. You just have to move on. I think it's a metaphor. Yeah, for it's a, it's, I, I feel like um, your improv background probably helped with that, the idea of just not being precious, um, you know, just kind of uh, spitballing ideas, just, just, uh, just letting them evaporate if they have to um, and just, just going with it. Is that true? I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's your improv. You definitely learn that if you, if you didn't use something in the moment, it, it might be mm -hmm. over this, you know, if you think about it for more than a few seconds, it's the moment's already over. And, and even if you get a laugh, then that moment's over and you have to move on to the next. So you really improv something that was great about improv and studying at UCB and the pit and, magnet is you, you just learn that it's there for a moment. You might get a laugh. You might feel that glow in a moment and then you have to move right. on. It's, it's over. It's on to the next show. It's on to, um, the, the next project. Um, you have to go back home on the subway, wow. you know? And so, and that's, and that's, I think that's really valuable and it's made me a better writer in so many ways because you have to be willing to constantly ideate, constantly brainstorm, and constantly propose ideas and have them thrown out. <laughs> and propose ideas and have them thrown out. And at first, and, and if you are precious about, it's not, that you it's not that you should be willing to let go of stuff you're passionate yeah. about. I'm not saying that, but you, you really have to be willing to um, create and say, you know, you know where this, where this material came from, the well, this material came from, there's so much more material in that well. So the more you, the more you put out, the more you will receive. Wow. It, I mean, it sounds empowering and also demoralizing at the same time. It is, it is the, it is both those things at once. Um, but I try to, I try to, you know, concentrate on the empowering yes. yeah, side of it and just to. be like, you know what? I do have, I do have more ideas. I, I do, I could make more jokes. You know what? That might've been my best joke. And, um, but it's not cause I could come up with 20 more in the next, you know, in the like next 20 minutes if I have to. So it really, overall, I think it's been really helpful for just, you know, it's a good life lesson yeah. in general. For me, for generating ideas, if I feel like I am at, I'm hitting a wall and I'm not able to think about the next thing, I go on a walk. Is there something for you that, mm -hmm, that helps mm -hmm. in, in these kind of moments where you I have mean, to pull it from is that well? Yeah, absolutely. And it generally involves 
you know, getting some getting some yes. wings. No, it, it involves getting. But really, it does it does involve getting a yeah. snack and like, okay, maybe I'll go for a walk. Maybe I'll you know watch a yeah. video. Maybe I'll you know go exercise. Um, maybe I'll listen to a podcast and wash the dishes. You know what I mean? So it, it could be it could really be any of those things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally get getting a snack will help, and I'll just be like you know, thinking about something and I'll be like, oh, wait, okay. I, I do have some ideas for this, this, this right. joke or this, this set, this comedy set or this premise. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're at the show, you don't know what jokes are going to, are going to happen or not. Um, Bruce Valanche, uh, famously, he did, I think an interview for the cut years ago and said that, maybe about like 2% of jokes that he has written like for the Oscars would, would wind up in the show. Um, Do you have an idea? Mm -hmm. Like I know within like Mm -hmm. the group effort to write the jokes on average, do you know roughly like how many end up in the show? I mean, I'm assuming you don't, but I have to ask. That's a, it's a, it's no, it's a good question. And I've thought about it and people have asked me that. And I, I wish I, I mean, I, I feel like there are, well, I don't even want to, I don't even want to call it this, but I'm like, oh, when I had a good, I had a good show and they used, you know, they used, let's just say 10 of my jokes. That would be a really good show. But, but it's, I, I hate, I hesitate to call it good or bad. It's just what, it's just what happens. It has nothing to do with you. It's not a, it's not a remark on, on you or your skills. It's just how things shook out right. at that time. And so there have definitely been awards where I was like, I think they used half of one joke. And there are others where they like did a whole sketch, did whole sketches. Like Amber Ruffin did a whole sketch that, I wrote, um, yeah, with another Ooh, writer. That's awesome. And it was like, I was like, this is awesome. And like, and it can be so cool to be, you know, to see they're um, just amazing. Well, to to name drop a tiny bit, there's like yeah. Tina Fey is sitting in the front row or yeah. Steven Spielberg or whatever. And you're like, oh, they're laughing at my joke. That's a pretty, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. That's the dream. But then, but then at the same time, exactly. But the other side of it is you know what, this was a group effort. So it's really hard to point to any one joke or two jokes that you actually like were a hundred percent. That was exactly your wording. And that's exactly how you wrote it. And you, you can't say that no one else did it. No, we all contributed. So it really is a team effort. And I also don't want to say like, oh, it was a bad, it was bad. If like they, if they didn't use my jokes, that doesn't mean that has nothing to do with any individual's writing. It's just, yeah, that's what happened that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, team. So I mean, teamwork. I try to take the good away and not yeah, the bad. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, but you know, going back to mm-hmm. like writing mm-hmm. for presenters, you mentioned like Amy Schumer or you know Amber Ruffin that you all you know were were writing jokes for. Um, what's it like? You know, and you mentioned Michelle Buteau. Like, what's it like to write for someone like her, who's used to performing comedy before a live audience, and just as you said, like an improv genius? Um, mm-hmm. What's that like? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's different for every single host, is what I would say, um, because some hosts are more hands hands on. 
Um, some bring in their own writing team. Some are um, some are more like stand-ups. Some are more like per, like more performers. Um, some are late night hosts. Um, and it's 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 just always different their level of involvement mm -hmm. and even and i think they generally speaking they seem to like just having a lot of yeah. options and i think then that gives them more material to riff mm -hmm. off of you know and sometimes they would use again it really depends but some would use the jokes exactly and someone probably just be like oh okay that gets me to here and then from there i'm gonna riff on that and then that would get me to there and then so you don't even recognize if you had any contribution in it right. at all oh wow um, okay so but they but the cool thing is that the people who hosts like Amber, like Michelle, like, you know, all these, you know, um, Lewis Black did it, Michael Ian Black did it. I mean, there's so many, so many great hosts and they all, um, they generally, they want to be there. They really want to do a great job. Writers, you know, the Writers Guild is kind of a tough crowd because they're not being filmed it's not it's not like the sag awards or something like that where it's going to be or emmys where or oscars where it's broadcast yeah. so it's just it's just for us and so it can be a pretty tough crowd and they really want to make that crowd laugh so there's a lot of really like inside baseball stuff and but they just in general they really want to be there they really want to do a great job they want to make these people laugh and I, I really love it because when I'm there, and I've heard this from other writers, fellow writers too, um, on the on the awards, you feel like you're with your group. You feel like you're with your tribe because it's all writers. You're not performing. You're not doing performative laughter for a video camera or anything yeah. like that. There's no camera like zooming in on you when you're the butt of a joke. It's just you are there and you're just trying to make each other laugh. And that's, it's such an awesome atmosphere to, to be there. It's really, it's just really electric. You know, how do you determine what yeah. is and what is not appropriate without zapping out all the humor? Like, are you doing a lot of research because it is like, um, like insidery, like, do you, do you really have to like sort of get mm -hmm. intimate in, in the, the kind of jokes that you create about people or, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting, that's a good question too. Um, so something that we really try to concentrate on is not, is, is not doing something that's almost like a first instinct in writers, which is to put ourselves and our career paths down. Mm -hmm. So because writers generally think of themselves as like antisocial, I mean, yeah. which is true and get, you know, and uh, and like the one of the least glamorous jobs in some ways of uh, of among the more glamorous jobs like director like pro you know like the people who accept the awards like the producers like the actors it's not like mm -hmm. that so but one of the things we really try to avoid is sort of saying like look how look how you know we we are we don't have that much power and that kind of thing it's and it's really easy to do that's almost like the default joke of writers is to be like well i'm you know well i i'm haven't gotten outside in 
like a kind days, of Eeyore. Because I've been writing like, and woe is me well, kind of. Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't. Hundred percent. And like, well, we weren't good at sports, so this is why <laughs> we do this. Or it's like we didn't. Or it's like, oh, we didn't have happy childhoods, and that's why we're uh -huh. comedians. And it's like that's almost like the default. Um, and it's and it's kind of too easy. And the whole point of the Writers Guild Awards is to lift up incredible writing in news, in podcasts, in video games, in animation, in in children's programming, in screenplays, yeah. in TV. So, so we really try to avoid that. And so then you have to go to like a different, you know, a different well and be like, okay, this isn't about like, yeah, eoring. Wangusing. It's it's really about um, trying to, yeah, exactly. It's it's about trying to lift us up as a group while also being like super sarcastic, and you know, and you can be bitter, and it can be really like dark humor. I mean, you can you can go online right now and look up Michelle Michelle's um, uh, opening monologue, and it is hilarious, and it is it is really like she's digging into everyone like really hard and it is so mm -hmm. funny and it really and it kills it was it was it was incredible um so she it wasn't like she it was like she was going light on anyone um but it wasn't it also wasn't about like oh we're writers look at how we get the short end of the stick in the filmmaking process or anything like uh -huh. that so so she i think she struck the exact right balance and that's what we're always going for as well as the writing as the writer's so, room is is really trying to yeah, go for like that. Yeah, like upbeat, but then a little biting. A hundred percent. That's exactly what we're going what we're going for. Because it's just it's too easy to be like, well, I guess we're gonna maybe we might go on strike, but we probably won't get anything out of it. And it's like, well, that, there's nothing really <laughs> funny about that. And it's just like, why not? Why not be optimistic? And and the cool thing is that because you're writing so many jokes for for everyone involved you really can try everything you can throw everything out there and then the you know the head writer or and the eps and everything will take care of it like they will select the ones they like and they won't select the ones they that that don't work for them or that they think won't work for this particular uh -huh. presenter and that's fine you know and that's 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 absolute that's their job and so you can kind of try everything but you do get a sense pretty quickly of like okay the the super negative stuff or the woe is me stuff isn't gonna work because that's not the point of the yeah, night the point of the night is to celebrate writers not to make them feel shitty <laughs> exactly yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah i get it um okay so Let's let's get back to um, oh I wanted to know again this is the last question about like awards uh, writing because um, you were saying sure. that you were watching it unfold like uh, with it by several days ahead of of the um, of the event you're you're basically off the clock but so there there isn't like a backstage writing process like how they do at the oscars or, or like in a at a televised uh award ceremony i guess it would it's totally different um, there, i think there might be but i'm not a yeah. part of that if uh, yeah, so you're yeah. just you're it's a you know you wrote your mm -hmm. jokes you did your part you're just watching it unfold at the dinner 
Okay. Exactly. So now let's move on. We've answered everything. We know so much now about writing for an award ceremony. This is incredible. What about you as a working Wangus, a working screenwriter? How did you build your network in New York? Because like a lot of people always say, oh, you got to move to L.A. You want to work in, you know, in TV. You gotta, but you never you did. I don't think you ever did. You might have for a short time. I don't remember. But you were basically. No, you know, I, no, I never. I, I. Yeah, I've traveled. I've traveled to I traveled to L.A. for mm -hmm. meetings um, and pitching. Um, but, and I really like it out there and I have a lot of friends mm -hmm. out there. Um, and there's obviously, yeah, just that's where, you know, that's where meetings happen, but especially with the pandemic, I feel like it's less necessary as of right now, at least mm -hmm. we'll see how that mm -hmm. changes, but it just feels less necessary because everything is just, even if, and from what I hear, even if you're in LA, like people would. In, are pretty fine for the most part with meeting on zoom because it's just is it the same no but can you get a lot of the same information across yes so but yeah i mean look my my family's in new york and my producers that i generally work with are all in new york my my cinematographer that i work with when i direct is in new york um there's a a video game I've been writing that and directing that I'm shooting oh, in awesome. New York. So, so it's, so, so it's just that I feel that my people are there as many friends as I have in LA. I have, I have more of my family, um, and work family in, in New York. Um, so I just, but that said, I, yeah, the, yeah. Like if you, if you could, pick either one equally and have no ties to either. I still think LA is the place mm -hmm. to be. I, I'm not going to deny that. And I really do like, um, sun. It's so nice. LA is even more the place to be, but, um, but also, as I said, as I said at the beginning, you know, I, I love theater is still my first love. I grew up being in plays and uh, I was singing and doing pageants and doing singing competitions. Um, and, and like, really, I loved performing mm -hmm. and even at UCB. Yeah. UCB's performing. And I still actually am um, in a improv oh, team great. that we used to perform live. We're called extra chowder. Chowder, um, like New England style. And we used to perform or... live at this um, uh -huh. bar. I wish no, just regular, ER. just just a chowder with an yes. with a hard R, uh, ER, um, and we and we now we don't perform anymore. We we just meet every week on Zoom and do Zoom improv, and so it just keeps me still fresh and still like we keep each other laughing, and um, and it's just so much more rewarding, if you will, than at times than screenwriting because yeah, screenwriting can be permanent, but 99% of the stuff that you write is never going to make it to the screen for the most part. Um, just, you know, kind of similar principle to the writer's yeah. guild awards, like 99% oh, of the stuff you write, isn't going to make it. It doesn't mean you're better or yeah. worse. And so just the idea of making each other laugh and being like, wow, okay, that just made me laugh. That just made my friend laugh. That's really rewarding just to have that kind of re reward 
right in the moment that you often don't have with screenwriting. That's beautiful. Um, but I yeah. feel like, you know, in my experience in New York, I feel like I was always in survival mode. I was working, mm. um, you know, journalism job or a marketing mm -hmm. job. I was doing so many yeah, other things yeah. and I wasn't doing creative writing as much because I, I should have had a better, not to have any regrets, but like I should have had a better discipline. Um, and I feel like now in, in LA, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit more affordable to live here. I feel like I'm able to be more creative and, I, and, and to have, and then also it, it helps working from home and the whole zoom thing. It does help. Um, to to carve out more time to write but like you know how you know what are you noticing now as um in terms of like new writers in new york wanting to break in is it how is it different difficult i mean it's different i guess because we're in a sort of more zoom era where you could just meet someone online or just facetime like you don't have to be there in person to have a meeting um, because you you were able to build a network you were able to stay creative you did improv like I like I always wanted to take your class and I and um, you know we'll talk about uh, blueprint too I always wanted to take your class but your class was by Penn Station I lived in Brooklyn and then if I worked downtown or whatever like just the, to coordinate getting to your like now if I, I imagine if you were teaching like on Zoom or something, I could totally take your Zoom class. But back back in the day, it was like, oh, I had to go to your class. So it's like I couldn't figure out how to get there. UCB, I, you know, thinking about um, UCB in New York, like I wish I would have taken um, improv classes there and not waited until I was in L.A. Um, it was like six months before the pandemic. So it's just like I, I feel like um, I was able to to be more creative, explore my creative side here, but you were always able to do that in New York. Um, and so I wanted to, so I wanted just to, you know, delve a little bit deeper in that, like how you were able to carve, you know, your path um, towards becoming a working screenwriter, building your network. And then like, what, what, what do you think or what's it, what do you think um, from like maybe the new writers that you interact with, like what, what it, is it like for them now? In New York, yeah, that's that's. Wow. I said a lot. Um, I could talk about. I you said a lot, and I could talk about that for conservatively three hours. But because uh, I, I just I have so much to say about all of that. Um, but I, yes, st I've been very fortunate to be able to stay creative. But a lot of it's lest you think it's by design. A lot of it's almost by like stumbling mm -hmm. into it. I have had like like so many of the artists that i'm sure you've talked to or um worked with you know the, i had so i had and continue to have i should say so many different jobs and so many different like careers mm -hmm. and but it's but i don't you know regret any of them even if they weren't leading directly to something that was like well that makes me a better screenwriter it's like well i didn't really know what i i enjoyed all those all those mm -hmm. careers all those jobs that i had i worked um um in as a at a tech mm -hmm. startup um 
as I was managing people, I worked, I've worked as a restaurant critic. I've worked as a food writer. I've worked as a copy editor. I've worked as a proofreader. Um, I've done, yeah, as, as you know, writing, yeah. directing, uh, podcasts, fiction, I mean, nonfiction commercials. So there's, so everything I, I, and that's just like a fraction of, of the uh, improv coach. Um, uh, you know, it, there's, there's nothing that, there, there, there are very few things I should say that I'm like, well, that was just like a, the wrong path or that was a bad idea or that I didn't learn anything mm -hmm. from that. Um, that's not to say, you know, I, I didn't know how to be directed because I didn't know what I wanted to mm -hmm. do. And even remember that I think, I think it's important for me at least to remember like, well, also the people out there, people out there who we think of as successful even they probably stumbled into it to some extent and even they are not necessarily happy doing what they want to do right because every actor wants to be a director and every writer wants to be a director and then their directors also want to make yeah. music and then the musicians right. want to ben act Affleck you know has so regrets. it's like every I, you know i think <laughs> he might have the most yes. regrets um so yeah so so i really feel like i learned something from all of those even if i you know, couldn't at the time place like, well, I'm definitely learning this particular, I'm learning how to pitch mm -hmm. from this job. It was like, no, I was pitching. I was terrible at it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned a little something mm -hmm. from that. And then I would make all these short films and some of them were positive experiences and some were mostly negative experiences, but I still learned something from it. And I was a PA on a lot of sets or worked in as an office mm -hmm. PA on mm -hmm. different sets. And I was doing stuff that I really didn't like, like, you know, fetching people's laundry and stuff. And, but I, it would, it would be hard to say I didn't learn it. I still was trying to like take mm -hmm. away as much as I could from it in terms of learning. Okay. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. Here's how to treat people. Here's how not to treat people. If I ever get to a position where I have interns myself, yeah. you know what I mean? It's all, yeah, it's all learning. So, uh -huh. but it, just to go back to your, maybe one, one of the other questions you had, which was about, yeah. And so, so in terms of my clients, um, and students during this time, you know, they, it's interesting because they feel, I feel like they've been more successful than ever during the pandemic and post pandemic, like in terms of getting, getting stuff optioned, um, getting, getting scripts optioned, getting managers, getting agents, getting stuff made, getting into festivals, mm -hmm. uh, making shorts. So I feel that Zoom has democratized, um, the LA experience more than I feel any like negative impact of, of not being in LA. It's been, it's been absolutely the opposite, um, for my clients. And I feel for the most part, the same way. Um, yeah. Is face to face still better? Would I still rather be in a in-person writer's room than a zoom writer's room? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you use zoom and there are delays and there's miscommunications yeah. and there's, Oh, I'm talking over someone. Now I actually didn't hear cause their mic went out. But, um, but overall I do feel like my, the, the people I work with, my students have, have seen more success than ever because it's just been more accessible um, the idea of of meeting people who in a position of power, the idea of people reading scripts um, from 
from a much wider range of people, much more diverse range of potential creators. Yeah, this is, I, I agree. But for you, is there like a screenwriting or comedy book that you often revisit and why? I guess for me, I, I definitely, um, I'll, I end up always looking at the artist's way. Um, I love the book Bird by Bird. That's one of my favorite books on writing. Like, is there, um, mm -hmm. is there a book for you that you will go back to every now and then? Um, you know, I definitely try to, I try to read them all and kind of synthesize because I don't think there's any one, I think there are structures that work. I teach, I teach different structures. I've made my own. I've told people that I'm writing a book since I've given so many presentations and taught so many seminars to the Writers Guild and to my students and to different colleges. And I taught at NYU. And so, so there are structures that work, but again, everything's kind of synthesized from men, from reading all mm -hmm. the books. Um, but one, I guess if I had to pick one that was really influential on me, I would say, I, I mean, there, uh, there are so many, but if I had to pick one, I, I recommend how not to write a screenplay, um, which is to me, I, I'm someone who learns by mm -hmm. example more than anything else, more than general principles, I learn by example. So I want to, so the way I taught, so I didn't go to school for screenwriting. I studied yeah. philosophy. Um, At Yale. And I taught myself screenwriting. <laughs> yes, um, correct. And I, I taught myself screenwriting by, well, writing a lot, writing a lot of terrible stuff that no one will ever see, nor should anyone mm -hmm. see. And, but mostly reading thousands and thousands of screenplays. It's just reading, 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 reading. And then from that, you can infer quite, you know, a lot of rules. Okay. By this page, we generally have to get to this or I'm bored or, okay. Like, okay. When we just start with a bunch of action and we don't know who anyone is, we don't care what happens in that action. It's hard to feel mm -hmm. something. Okay. If the character doesn't change at all, generally speaking, except for rare cases, that's pretty unsatisfying. And we feel like we've wasted our time reading a hundred page screenplay or we're seeing a, seeing a 90 minute movie. So, so so by reading lots of screenplays is how I learned. And one of the books that was influential, as I said, was how not to write a screenplay because it gives lots of examples of what not to do. And for whatever reason that really imprinted on me. And I was like, okay, we, okay. These are, these are, these are ways to fail. And by now having worked with, you know, thousands of mm -hmm. writers and read even more screenplays than I did in, you know, than I, you know, you're always reading, I'm always trying to read more. Um, and you know, and books and plays and everything else too, and, and news and every, you know, and jokes and you're trying to absorb everything, but especially just reading scripts, for me, the what not to do um, has really, it really becomes clearer and clearer the more you do this. Okay, this is falling, this script, why wasn't I moved by this? Okay, why did this feel slow? Okay, why was I confused? Okay, why didn't this feel original? And you kind of, they start to fall into different, the, the issues that you encounter 
over and over and over, including in my own writing, don't get me wrong. Um, it's, it's not like it's suddenly be magically avoidable when you do it yourself. When you do it yourself, you need someone else outside of you to comment, which is exactly what I do with my clients is I'm commenting, I'm giving feedback, I'm giving brainstorming um, solutions on their scripts, and I need someone to do that for me. It's really hard to do it for yourself. But, but, but the more you read, the more you um, take away, the more you can kind of start to figure out, okay, this is, these are the general rules of why this wasn't working. Okay, this is why this scene wasn't working. Okay, that's why this script didn't resonate yeah. with me. And so those examples really help. Oh, that's help. great. I have to check out that book, How Not to Write a Screenplay, 101 Common Mistakes Most Screenwriters Make. It's by Denny Martin Flynn. I'm going to get that book. That's, yes. This is a great tip. So what are you currently? Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. You enjoy it. What are you currently watching? Who's putting out work that's inspiring, exciting you? Um, well, look, I mean, of course, everything, everywhere, all at once. Incredible. Um, I, I was definitely on, you know, that and the, the menu I thought was, I really that was enjoyed great. that as someone, it com I was kind of angry at it. Cause I was like, darn, I'm really enjoying this. And it's combining food and screenwriting, like two of my two favorite I, things and doing it in a really right, smart and I way. I want to say that those are New York writers because they worked on, I want to say like this, the Colbert show, mm -hmm. they, they worked on the late night with Stephen Colbert or they worked on. Um, and, and Seth, and, and Seth, Seth Meyers. Ma they show. worked on yeah. Seth Meyers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So that's, yeah. yeah those are your people. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in, in just incredible writers and deserve you know deserve everything that they that they get. And again, I think that late night stuff really similar to the mm -hmm. award show really like trains you for just like generating idea after idea after idea, and that that prepares you better to work in a team like a writing team that wrote um, everything everywhere all at once, like the writing team that wrote mm -hmm. the menu. Um, and then something else I really liked that I saw recently was After Sun. Oh, I, don't I know haven't if you seen it yet, but I love Paul Mescal. So Paul Mescal, as they call him. He's, I, I, I was not familiar with him, actually. And now I think he's incredible. And the girl in that who yeah. plays his daughter is uh, also incredible. Just the, the whole thing is masterfully done and it was just so beautiful because it's to me it felt absolutely unlike anything being made in the u.s mm -hmm. maybe not anything i don't want to overstate it but it's it's very hard to find let's just say it's very hard to find stuff like that because people are writing including me don't get me wrong for for a certain system of where we have certain expectations mm -hmm. and to me after sun didn't meet those expectations and that's what made it so beautiful it's just exploring a relationship at the pace that it explores it and it takes its time and there's no real it's very hard to everyone's going to interpret mm -hmm. it differently it's not leading you to any particular conclusions and to me i just found that so extraordinary and I hope that I could even could ever make something with just a fraction of the artistry and and beauty and emotion. In oh, that's that. incredible! Yeah, I, it is a Canadian production, I think. Um, obviously, Paul Mescal, Paul Mescal, Paul Mescal, or I like I I rather say Paul Mescal because it it reminds me of 
Uh, you know, I'm going to let you pronounce yeah. it because I don't yeah, want to mess it I'll up. I'll mess so it up. I, I will go Paul ahead Mescal, and, and, and not say his but name. But they say Paul, Paul Mescal, but whatever. I think his actual full name is is Paul Wangus. That's That yeah. should be his name. It should be Wangus. Everybody should be Wangus. We should just speak Wangus um, here on out. Yeah, but like, we, we, we all yes, to that. yeah. So yeah, there's after sun, there's, you know, women talking, uh, you know, everything everywhere all at once. It does make me feel hopeful that there is more, there is creativity still out there. It's not all, even though I do love the Marvel, Marvel movies and the horror movies that have been um, out oh, there. Oh, me too. I, yeah, I think that I think there's a place for everything. I think there's a, you know, clearly there's a market for these, you know, big tentpole movies and and TV shows. And there's room for much smaller pieces and also, you know, short films. I make short films. I love mm -hmm. short films. Um, and a lot of my a lot of directors almost every director starts out a writer director starts out by making a short film and it's just such an amazing art form when it when it works um kind of like improv it's so amazing when when you see something that has real artistry and real beauty and that works and then when you when it doesn't work um it can be really painful like I don't know how many bad improv shows that yeah. you've sat through some of them might have been the ones that I I was performing or, or I it's just so so painful maybe so but 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 you just have to fail fail your way up you you have to fail if you don't put yourself out there you're never going to have any chance that's right because yeah how will you ever know how to improve so this is yeah you can't you have to test yourself right yeah okay i wanted to play a quick game i don't know if we if we have enough time um but you know, since we were talking about bookstores, maybe I'll just like quiz you on bookstores and I'll give you 60 seconds. I don't have, uh, let me get, oh, let no. me get 60 seconds. Do bookstores exist? Is that the first um, question? Do I, bookstores still do. exist? They do exist um, for now until Elon Musk or whoever Let's hope yeah, so. shuts them down. Peter Thiel. Yeah. Um, yeah oh he, he'd be like oh we don't need that that's enough okay yeah no one read no one reads books yeah stop that what are you guys doing this is that's how i imagine peter Thiel sounds like um i i i don't know i don't know you. i've never heard him talk but i'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> take your word for it i don't know you peter Thiel. don't come <laughs> after me you totally come after me too okay I, I feel like he would he totally actually. Would. He seems like the type of guy, based on what his vindictive OMG. nature that we know, he OMG. probably would. Okay, so let's not talk about him anymore. ask you i'm gonna give you 60 seconds and i'm gonna just gonna rattle off some bookstores and you're gonna tell me how to oh get gosh. there by train oh my god okay get ready get ready for me to completely bomb this but okay. let's do it so one minute 
Books are magic. It's in uh, Cobble Hill in Brooklyn. Um, the, Cobble Hill. So you would probably take the G to Clinton. I don't know. Clinton Lafayette. You could. You just walk a lot. It's on Smith Street in Brooklyn. Oh. Okay, let's. Oh, my God. I No, then that was the wrong stop. That was the wrong stop. Of course, Smith. Street, I would say uh, I would say uh, Smith Ninth on the F, and you just walk. But oh man, I was so far. Oh man, well I was the right train line. Well G or F, I was the right train line. Completely wrong stop. So uh, let's let's keep it going in Brooklyn. Um, green light. Oh, I was going. That's why I was going for Clinton Hill, not Cobble. Oh Hill. my God. Okay, okay let's, let's keep going. Let's just yeah, just keep it going. Green, light? green light books on well, green light shut down. Oh no. Both of down. them? Oh, sixty minutes are up. So that so Green we talked about one week. one books. Oh my god! <laughs> I used the bookmark. I'm still reading Kindred by oh, Octavia Butler, um, all this time, and I uh, mm -hmm, that's my mm -hmm. bookmark. So Greenlight on Flatbush is closed, along with the the other one off Atlantic. Those are closed. No, one of them, one of them stayed open. One of them shut down. The, the one on Flatbush shut oh, down. Oh, sad. Oh man, this is getting so so technical. Um, this is really talk about inside yeah. baseball. And I, um, I'd gotten my brother and his girlfriend a gift certificate for a gift certificate for that nice. one. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I hope it's still usable at like online for green light. Okay, we didn't get very far. We didn't get very seconds. far. And <laughs> and you wouldn't on the train anyway. Like if you were on the train in 60 well, seconds to get to their destination, it's not going to happen. I mean, that wouldn't happen anywhere, but No. But no. yeah, it it takes forever. Literally nowhere. Yeah, you're not yeah. going anywhere. Um, <laughs> but okay. But now listeners know a lot more about the kind of Brooklyn um bookstore yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was, you know, we there was a little element of failure, but we also learned there was also information that that was shared. You know what? It could, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad I failed at that because I learned something. And isn't that exactly what we've been talking yeah. about? We did it. All right, my last question. What's making you happy these days? Oh, that's a very that's a really cool question. Um, I will say that um, I really like puppies. I don't have one. Love puppies. But man, just seeing them and being able to pet them um, when after asking, of course, <laughs> being able to ask or yeah, just watch videos creepy. or just watch videos. Don't be of a puppies. creepy puppy touch. No, no, no. You don't. No, God, that's a terrible phrase. <laughs> I'd rather go back to Wangus, honestly. Um, and also, okay, this is going to be very specific, but uh, but my girlfriend has been uh, has the has the idea of having a really healthy yogurt, granola, and fresh berries with mm. some honey for dinner instead of a big nice. dinner. And it is going to sound, this is going to, this is so specific, but it, it has, I have slept so oh, much better great. since we kind of 
started that um, because we we you know um, we love uh, traveling to um, and, and going to, on vacation in Mexico and something that we were told that is a tradition is that you have kind of a bigger you have a yeah. small breakfast you have a big lunch and then you have just kind of a snack a light snack whatever you choose for dinner nothing big so it's like kind of the almost the opposite of of u.s yeah. tradition and since we started doing that with having kind of a light and healthy dinner not i mean obviously not every night i'm not like you know perfect or whatever but I, you sleep so much better because you're not, you're, you're not, I guess, like sitting there with like a heavy, you oh, know, really heavy meal, um, a food baby, like a big yeah. old wingus in your, yeah. in your stomach. And I don't know. I, I definitely was like, at first I was so disappointed. I was like, but dinner's a, dinner's the best meal of the day or whatever. And then I was like, wait a second. I'm actually like a much, much more able to sleep and to digest and to not, um, and to, and to feel oh, healthier just going into the, that's a good tip. Evening. I mean, I grew up with the, uh, I think it eat like a King for breakfast, a queen for lunch mm. and a prince for dinner, something like that. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that so much. And yeah, yeah, going going with I love that eat like a king or, uh -huh. or queen yes. um, for breakfast. That's awesome because I love I love a, a I love royal. A breakfast. But it's it's for, that, to, that, to not a royal a royal. There we go, yeah. kind of yeah. generic. Yeah, you eat like yeah. And then if I could if I could pl plug one other yes. thing that has nothing to do with food, um, but something that's been making me happy is I have been writing short stories nice. um and and it is something i never thought i would really try because i'm like well what is the what a waste of time because that you know I, I mean you heard me at the beginning of this podcast and i'm like well i want to get my stuff out there and not just do plays for a smaller audience i want to reach yeah. a lot of people but and and so then why am i doing short stories if it's kind of a waste if, if it's not going to be like working on a screenplay, work on something that might, I might sell as a pilot or a feature but film. But you're making or IP though. But it's actually so, it's, it's been so mm -hmm. rewarding. Make an IP, just, I'm churning out that yeah. IP, baby. And I'm, I'm kind of, the, the cool thing is that, I, you know, if you've, if you've worked it all in screenwriting, you, as I said, like if 1% of your stuff gets made, that's a really good year. That's an amazing year or amazing career, honestly. And so just to be able to write short stories and be like, no one needs to fund this. I don't need to pitch it to anyone. No one needs to approve of it. I just put it on my mm -hmm. website and I've been doing, I'm doing one a day every day for 365 days for the, all of 2023. Where can people I'm doing read that? A short story a day. And great question. Thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, they can read them at, 365shortstories.com, 365shortstories.com. No one had taken that domain, maybe because no one's dumb enough to <laughs> try to write 365 short stories Who in a year, but that? I'm going to do it. I am doing it. Uh, that's, that's, that's what Wangus is doing. That's Peter do. Thiel talking again. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Oh, what a big old Wangus. And so, but the, it's just so fun. And I, illustr I, I, get, I illustrate them with an AI, AI art 
tool. And it's just so it's, it's been so rewarding because you can just get an idea out and you don't have to be like, okay, I had 20 ideas and which one will my managers like, and I can only pick one. It's like, no, just put them all out there. I mean, I have to fill 365 and it's just so it's been incredibly rewarding. And I hope that other people might look at them online and just like, enjoy and they're each 100 words so it, you know you can read three in a minute and you can just enjoy oh, yeah, 100 words so it's like it, it's a literally a short story yeah it's a it's a some people call it microfiction some people call it a drabble um so it's ultra short and it's just like i i i almost wish i kind of recommend this to everyone everyone who's screenwriting because again it can be so frustrating to like write something and then a company that company mm -hmm. folds or you're do you're working with some executive and that executive gets let go or moves and so you're like wow i was just working for years on something and now it's come to nothing or something else came out that's more famous and so mine overlaps and now it's dead the project's mm -hmm. dead and it's just like you know what if you just write for yourself and it's kind of in the principle of what i've been talking about of like you know, of, of improv and of writing jokes for the Writers Guild Awards, just to bring it mm -hmm. full circle. It's like, you're just, you're just putting it out there. And you're just saying, the more I create, the more I'm capable of creating. And that's a really yeah, good feeling. You're, you're filling up that well. I'm thinking of like Kate Bush and like, yeah, what, yeah. The more you're yeah. emptying the well, the, the yeah, more you're filling I'm thinking it. of like Kate Bush, like running up that hill, but you're, you're filling up that well. Filling out that well. <laughs> Love it. Love so, it. Okay. I'm going to let you go. 100%. How can people find you? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you of so course. much for having me. It's just really great yes. to catch up and really great to talk to you. Um, and thank you for listening and uh, to, to me going on about screenwriting and, and food. Um, so you can find me at blueprintscreenwritinggroup.com. And you can also find my short stories at 365shortstories.com. This Super is amazing. Easy. Read Timothy Michael Cooper's short stories. Check out his class. And we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.